the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I mean, this church is not about adults meeting here. It's about children meeting and growing and learning the Word of God. Sabbath school, the things that make our children come to Christ when they're able to be influenced in the formative years. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, A Pep Talk with Jesus. That's A Pep Talk with Jesus. We'll bring you the first portion of this message today. Make sure you join us again next time when we complete this broadcast. Here's Pastor Mike. Father God, we are so grateful for the cross of Christ. We are grateful that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose on the third day. We are accepted in him. We want to live in eternal land. So give us Christ every day. In Jesus' name, amen. We all get down at times, do we not? And sometimes we fall down in the Christian life. Have you ever fell down, messed up, felt like you had, knew you had, and it was awful? I mean, I have. But this COVID-19 crisis has hurt a lot of people emotionally. There are people banged up because of it, especially young people. We have no idea what this has done to a generation here present in our culture, our country, our church. A 14-year-old girl, Aya Raji, was interviewed by the New York Times, probing her feelings about the lockdown, her online school experience, her social life, and life in general. And she said this, She said, I felt like I was trapped in my own little house and everyone was far away. When you're with friends, you're completely distracted. You don't think about the bad stuff going on. During the beginning of quarantine, I was so alone. All the sad things I used to brush off, I realized I couldn't brush them off anymore. Essentially, she's saying I was depressed. I have met one young person after another who's felt that way, going to school, looking at a laptop. Looking at your friend and having a mask. You know, our children bond and they develop social skills because they read body language through the face and the like. Now, I'm not here to debate the merit of the mask or not in the past. But I am saying is we now know the result of all this. We have a damaged generation. We have an emotionally traumatized generation. That has been demonstrated with research. Suicide rate up high. Some have argued that we've lost more people to depression than we have to the remedy for the intervention. In a recent survey of young students, it was discovered that one-third felt unhappy or depressed. Imagine one-third of the young people of this country in a state of depression because of COVID-19. Children were made by God to have joy and to be happy, weren't they? 
I mean, this place was made and engineered so it would be a future place for children. In our long-term building vision that we have filed for the county, they wanted us to build our church without the right to have a school. We did not surrender the right to our school. We put it in our long-term plan so we can build a school here all the way up to preteens just before high school. Friends, this is the first generation in American history where children have been forced to mask up and be deprived of the smiles the social images of a human face and especially of their peers. They are the damaged generation. Online learning has not worked for their emotions. Our children are at risk of deep trauma because of fear. Fear permeates our culture. That's one of the reasons we have to open up this church as soldiers of Christ and get on with the cause. We have to be a part of an optimistic future for our kids. Do you hear me? I mean, this church is not about adults meeting here. It's about children meeting and growing and learning the Word of God. Sabbath school, the things that make our children come to Christ when they're able to be influenced in the formative years. Our children need the church, and this place needs to be a place of fellowship and joy and life again. So praise the Lord for Vespers. Vespers is huge on the target list. Sabbath school and other things have been held together by godly people here. In C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Dr. Lewis retells the story of the great controversy in mythological manner. C.S. Lewis earned his Ph.D. In fact, he had two Ph.D.s, one in medieval literature and the other in English. And he became a Christian after a profound struggle for faith as a young man. In fact, J.R. Tolkien was one of his best friends. And they interacted together, and he argued for faith with J.R. Tolkien, who was really an unbeliever. But C.S. Lewis used his energy, his experience, his life force to help the nation of England, the English-speaking people, come to Jesus Christ in the era of unbelief. He's famous for his fireside chats at the radio where he would give a practical interaction with his own Christian faith to help the English people during World War II. In his Narnia series, he portrayed the devil as what? Some of you have read the Narnia series as the White Witch. And the power of evil was the winter that wouldn't go away. The lockdown. The winter lockdown. The white witch, as you know, locked down the country of Narnia, so it was always winter and never spring in that enchanted land. And people who lock down others to have power over them seldom give up that power when the spring comes. Now, I'm not arguing whether or not it was right to lock down certain parts of our country when the uncertainty of this pandemic hit. But friends... We cannot be locked down Christians forever. We have to exercise our courage, save our church, advance the mission of God. If they can open up Walmart, we can open up this church. Am I right? How many of you go to Walmart to get your groceries? Well, you can come to church. There's not a problem there. No scandal. In his first book of the series, A Dwarf, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Lord Robe, a dwarf had noticed that someone had broken the depressing power of the winter. Now, Dr. Lewis symbolized Jesus Christ. What's the symbol of Jesus Christ in that series? Anyone know? Aslan, right? Now, Aslan is the Turkish name for a lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. When I was sharing some of my chiastic discoveries with Dr. Richard Davidson, a couple, three years ago, who was my professor of Old Testament at Andrews, as he saw some of the discoveries, he already knew this, that the Bible is this amazing document that is beyond smart, carried by the power of a God that defies our boundaries. 
He told me this. He said, Mike Aslan is not a tame lion. That's like saying Jesus Christ is not a tame lamb. He's not a tame lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Christ will not conform to our expectations. We must conform to his Now, in the story, a dwarf started a monologue in front of the white witch who symbolized the devil as the evil sled moved across the earth that was falling out with the power of spring all around. And here's what Dr. Lewis wrote. He says, the trees began to come fully alive. The larches and birches were covered with green. The laburnums with gold. Soon, the beech trees had put forth their deliberate transparent leaves. And as the travelers walked under them, the light also became green. A bee buzzed across their path. This is no fall, said the dwarf, suddenly stopping. This is spring. What are we to do? Your winter has been destroyed. I tell you, this is Aslan's doing. If either of you mention that name again, said the witch, he shall instantly be killed. Now there's something about the name of Jesus that ends the winter and that ends the lockdown that is our personal winter of fear and isolation. Friend, Jesus on the march, spring has come, and Aslan is not a tame lion. Our church is a giant kindergarten for God, and the winter is over. Our children need to come here to have joy. And there are kids all around here. My wife would go on Friday nights for Vespers before the crises and cart kids from the community who have no church activities. She'd bring scores of them to our Friday night Vespers and they tap in from time to time still. You wouldn't believe the need that's out there. I'll give you an example. I was just at a pawn shop yesterday. A young man who cannot attend here because he works on Sabbath. He has a little girl. He always shows me the picture of his little girl. And he hit me. We have all these extra Sabbath school lessons because our kids aren't here and we can't get them to them. I'm going to take some of those for his daughter so she can start going through our Sabbath school lessons. And I'm going to buy him a Bible. His face just lit up. See, our church is not just the people that show up. Our church are the people that are out there that are within our sphere of influence. I believe in personal evangelism, which means lifestyle evangelism. I stopped by PC Retro recently. There was this wonderful little dog that the IT professional had there. PC Retro sells used computers. I like used stuff if I can save 80% and get the same outcome. And so I went by there, and the man there, his name, I won't tell you, but his dog name, who died recently, was Mona. Mona was this little bulldog would come and start, you know, scaring you half to death at the door. She was the guardian of the place, but the most delightful little dog. I would pet the dog and scratch its back a little bit, and Mona loved me. Mona died recently. I purchased a Bible for her owner, who's there. He's been there all along. He has children. And he said he had his Bible out there. I got him an Andrews University Seminary Study Bible, and I put his name on it. And he said... Now, those aren't cheap Bibles, but it was fun giving it to him. She just seen his face light up. And he said, I've been trying to understand the book of Daniel. And I got started, but I got confused. I said, you know what? I need to show up every week as I'm driving by, and we'll go over Daniel a little bit here and there. Daniel 2 is our next study. See, our sphere of influence is a God-given sphere, and God has determined that our church is larger than us. Our church also includes the church that rents here. Our church minister to that church because they are an extension of the family of God.
Love is alive around here. It's time to come home to church. We got a lot of loving, a lot of serving, a lot of doing to give for God. Now, how many of you had COVID? Raise your hand. I'm in that club. It feels good to have it over with. And not everyone has, but a lot of us have. Not everything about the winter is bad. How many of you like the winter? I want to take a vote. Like the winter? How many of you love the spring? Ah, more hands go up. Well, I like a little of both. Not everything about the winter is bad. For a number of years, my wife and I have been so busy here, we didn't put a Christmas tree up at our house. If you came to our house, no Christmas tree at Christmas time. You go, bah humbug, Pastor Mike. Are you Scrooge? I'd say, probably. Now, our kids are gone. And so much of Christmas is about the presents you'd have for them under the Christmas tree and the like. But this past year, I bought my wife a little Christmas tree from the thrift store. It cost me 10 bucks. It looks just as good as the one that cost you 200 bucks. And I put it in our bedroom to make her happy. I went to the dollar store to get those pretty ornaments that look just as pretty as the ones that cost a lot. And she enjoyed that three-foot Christmas tree that I bought at the thrift store that I decorated with the dollar store's help with a little extra stuff to boot. It made everyone a little more happy. There's something about light. There's something about a Christmas tree that cheers you up. As for me, because of the long dirge of no Christmas trees at her house... I wanted a big Christmas tree. Let's take a vote. How many of you prefer a big Christmas tree to a small Christmas tree? Raise your hand. Wow. How many of you like a small Christmas tree over a big Christmas tree? Okay, barely the big Christmas tree wins. We had a lot of neutral people here. I guess you don't have Christmas trees in your house, right? You don't. See, I was like you until last year. Now, hear this. I got a white tree. Diana was gone a little bit. And I got to be in my bonnet that I'd buy a big Christmas tree. I like white Christmas trees that look like snow. And I like them with the lights built in so I don't have to string the lights around and make it look like this electrical wiring thing. And I told her I found the tree. She said, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I got it anyway. It cost about a couple hundred dollars. And I decorated that thing. I put a big red ribbon on. I got the name Joy, which is her middle name, and I stuck it right there at the top, a red birdie angels and birds are the same in the Bible. And I put it at the top for the angel of the Lord. And then the red ribbon, you know, maybe the blood of Jesus Christ was going through my head. Who knows? It was me working with the Christmas tree. Now today is March 19 and that Christmas tree is still up. How many of you still have Christmas trees up in your house? I want to know honestly, I'm one of them. Raise your hand. One, two. How many of you took down your Christmas tree? Remember, we have a large contingency that doesn't have Christmas trees. Okay. Now, my wife told me, Mike, take it down. Christmas is over. I said, no, it's not. That tree makes me happy. I want to leave it up all year this year. I want to have it up all year this year until Christmas comes, and then I won't have to set it up again. And whenever I sit in my living room, I'm going to feel good because I like my Christmas tree. I don't care what day of the year it is. She looked at me and said, honey, I'm going to box that thing up and take it down. Now, I have my Zoom meetings and my Bible studies beside my Christmas tree because Christmas is every day for me this year. It is. Hey, Merry Christmas to y'all. Okay, I'll tell you next week too. Now, spring has come. And I don't care. I have my Christmas tree up. Now, when I look at that beautiful tree still standing, I think of the cross, really. Christ was crucified on a cross, a tree, the tree of life, tree of knowledge, good and evil, too. It's full of meaning. 
We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. And when I think of that Christmas tree, I think of my desire to keep mine up. I think of this, don't ever take the cross down. You see that cross behind us? That cross stood for years out here in the field. People threw bottles at it and the like. It was our prayer cross that we had at the old property here before our building was arsoned. And that cross was carried by a group of prayer warriors out to the front of the church and it was dug into the ground. And during the entire struggle to build this church, that old rugged cross was a symbol of our resilience in Jesus. I hope no one ever removes that cross from here. On our grand opening, it was walked through the door and placed here as a symbol of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not into symbols and icons, that kind of thing. But that was simply for us a personal symbol of what we went through. That is the cross. I would come and see pop bottles and everything else. People love throwing things at that cross. The cross is here. The pop bottles are gone. Don't ever pack away the cross. Don't ever box it up. The builder threw that cross on the dump heap as they started to build this church. We dragged it off and hid it in one of our storage containers because the cross is precious to us. Don't ever make the cross of Jesus Christ a seasonal thing in your life where you can pack it away and get rid of it and maybe address it in the future. Keep it tall. It makes you happy. When Samson's parents asked Jesus Christ, who appeared to them as the angel of the Lord, Christ took that form. They said to him, what is your name? His answer was, why do you ask me seeing that my name is wonderful? Remember that? They were in the time of the judges. They didn't know how to raise their children. It was an awful time. And so they needed some counsel on how to raise their little boy Samson. So the angel of the Lord shows up and he gives them this counsel and instruction. And so he says, why do you ask my name? My name is Wonderful. Now Isaiah the prophet picked up on that. When he prophesied of Christ's coming, he called him Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, you know, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Christ is wonderful, but he's the wonderful counselor like he was for Samson's parents. So Jesus this morning is my mighty counselor. You ever need a counselor in your life? I do. I like going to Jesus for psychotherapy on occasion. Anybody go to Jesus for psychotherapy? It's called prayer, listening. Get on your knees and work it out. A lot of folks are depressed these days, as I've said, and we need a pep talk from Jesus this morning. So I don't have much to say, but I'm going to give you a pep talk from Jesus, his words for you today. So let's listen to Jesus cheer us up this morning, and let us allow Jesus to get us going to do some amazing works for the kingdom of God, to save men and women and children in the time in which we live. I mean, is Christ coming for idle Christians? No. How many of you want to be engaged? A soldier of Christ at the time of the end. Every hand. We raise those hands. I'm in that club. So I'd like to consider seven amazing promises from Jesus Christ. Our mighty counselor that is a pep talk from Jesus. Much needed today. So here is the amazing promise number one. Stop worrying about you. Did you hear that? What did I say? Stop worrying about you. 
turn to Matthew 6, 31. We'll look at verse 34. Jesus said, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now we worry about those things. We want those things in our lives. We feel it when we don't have them. Jesus said, Quit worrying about it. Look at verse 33. But seek what? What's the next word in your Bible? First, the kingdom and His righteousness. God's kingdom, God's rule in your life, His righteousness, the robe and righteous living implied. Seek those things first, and all these things shall be yours as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Worry is easy. Jesus said, don't do it. Don't allow fear to come into your life. Don't worry about this, that, and the other thing. Friend, you can't create your future, but God can make it for you. The most important thing in your life is eternal life in Jesus, and the rest is commentary. If you get to God's kingdom, you have hit the jackpot in your life. Jesus is the king and the kingpin of a new kingdom. Jesus is the new Melchizedek of a new deal that is a great deal called the new covenant. I want that in my life. And God's kingdom, friend, deserves your best attention, your fondest affection, your highest loyalty. The king of God is calling us to this. So forget about World War III and COVID-19 and start investing in the kingdom of God with all of your heart. There are people dying for your witness for Jesus. There are people in your sphere of influence who have no idea that Jesus can be their Savior unless they hear it through you, your prayers, your optimistic faith and intervention in their life. And you can't do it if you're worrying about you all the time. Friend, Jesus is coming. We have a whole lot to look forward to because the kingdom of God is just around the bend. We will be the generation to see Jesus come. I believe that. And that means our lives have to focus on the reality of the coming kingdom. Keep your eye on the prize and don't look back for a moment like Lot's wife did who loved Sodom more than God. She became a pillar of salt. Move on. Follow the three angels' messages. They'll take us out of Sodom. They'll take us to Christ's coming safely. In the Desire of Ages, page 330, this amazing statement appears. I have treasured it since I was a young man. It was shared with me by an associate, a young person also. And I've never forgotten. It's profound. She writes, worry is blind and cannot discern the future. But Jesus sees the end from the beginning. In every difficulty, his way, his way prepared to bring relief. Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us, of which we know nothing. And those who accept the one principle of making the service and honor of God supreme will find perplexities vanish and a plain path before their feet. That's pretty clear. You make God first in your life, you seek His will, God will make your life work out. He will save you, and he will direct it, and you will have meaning. Amazing promise number two, start living for God. You know, at the heart of the Gospel of John is John 10, verse 10. It's the linguistic center of the Gospel. And it reveals the reason Jesus came to this earth. So let's look at verse 10 and 11, John 10 and 11. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then I like what he says next, I am. You know, that's the Yahweh language, the God language in the Gospel of John. I am the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd of Psalms 23 is what he's saying. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
So the shepherd's not trying to hurt the sheep. The shepherd's not trying to kill the sheep. The shepherd's not trying to give the sheep some tragic motif in their life. The shepherd died for the sheep, and that is the defining fact that gives us the abundant life described in verse 10. Because Christ died for us, we can live with joy and purpose in our lives because God loves us. Jesus didn't come to this earth just to make a point, as some would say. Friends, Jesus came to this earth to make a difference in your life. It's easy to just exist in life. It's easy to just get along in a nine-to-five job day after day and year after year until you finally drop into the grave. A lot of people live like that. Friends, Christ came to this world to come into your life, to make a difference for eternal life so you would not be alone. Because if you have no human friend and you have Jesus, you have the friend you need in life. Christ is the life we all need today. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christ came to save your life by dying on the cross for you. And Jesus came to make a difference in your life for the glory of God. And he came to fill it with joy so you can have the abundant life. The gospel is the thing that sets the heart free and brings joy and song into our experience because we belong to God and Jesus. That will conclude the first portion of Pastor Mike's message entitled, A Pep Talk with Jesus. You can find the entire message online at reachingyourheart.com. We just brought you the first portion. We'll conclude this broadcast the next time we get together. Thanks for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org. Slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.